Um, I want to take a couple moments. Uh, we've been talking about what's coming up in February, starting February the 7th, and it's important for us to spend some moments for that as we gear up towards the Transform Spiritual Growth Campaign. You've been hearing about that, and there are some items I want to make sure you are well aware of. If you were here last week, you started to hear about it, or you've seen it out in the lobby. We have a station out there um, just with all the materials and the supplies that you're going to need. One major aspect of the Transform Campaign is that everybody is going to need a journal like this. And there is a lot of information in this because as we go through the, through the Transform campaign, it involves preaching and taking some notes. It involves what happens in your small group. It involves da- daily quiet times. And all that involvement is involved in here. Matter of fact, if you have one of these books already, and if you don't, if you opened up to a page, you'll see, wow, there's a lot of fill-in-the-blank stuff in here. Well, the fill-in-the-blank stuff that you see printed in there, all that information is given in small groups in the growth groups that we'll have. So you want to make sure you have one of these books. You can take it with you. There's some blank pages in here for sermon notes to be taken, and I'll probably even supplement some pages that will go along with this. But this is a major tool that's going to be part of the campaign. Now, we're asking if you can to help cover the cost. These are $12 as a donation. If you can't, no big deal. Just grab one. For some people, you may say, oh, I can pay for two or three of those. I'll help cover the cost for somebody else. There's a donation box at the table. You can do that. You'll see some people wearing T-shirts. That's just to have some fun and remember the campaign. Don't have to have a T-shirt by no means, but sometimes when we do T-shirts as a group, it kind of reminds us, hey, we went on that journey together, so it's great if you would to pick up a T-shirt. Also, in your bulletin, there's a card that looks like this. This has all the small groups. We are asking for 25 hosts, and we have 22. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. 22 opportunities for you to say, well, where can I pick a time slot to be involved? And we're asking for just a seven-week commitment. For some of you, you go, man, I've never done that small group thing before. I'm not sure about it. Well, try it out for seven weeks and see how that goes. Some of our hosts that are doing it, that's their commitment. They said, I'm going to do it for seven weeks. We'll see how that goes. And so on the back of that, Uh, This card has all 22 groups listed, and then there's a table out in the lobby where you can sign up. But I'm telling you, if you really want to go on this journey with us and you say, you know what, I really want to see what God's going to do in this, I want to encourage you to be involved in every aspect. Be here for worship, be involved in a small group, doing the quiet times, trusting and saying, God, what are you going to do in my life? God, what do you have planned? He has something greatly planned, and as we put into it, he, he'll definitely respond and definitely work on all of our lives. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Now, you say, why 22 groups? Well, we want to try to keep the group smaller. Four, six people, maybe eight people. Some will go a little bit bigger than that. But if we have a group of just four people or three people, that's tremendous. That'll work. And so as you look at the list, don't think, oh, there's not a lot of people signed up. You look at the list and say, man, they only have one couple or just them. Sign up. It'll be tremendous. Just you and another couple for seven weeks sit down and go through the small group material together. And so I want to encourage you to do that. One last thing about Transformed. On your chairs, there are cards like this. You'll also find these at the table out there where you pick up all the materials. I want to encourage you to take a couple of these cards. Put them in your wallet or put them in your purse and have them available. So that as you're having conversation with somebody at work, as we talked about a few weeks ago about sharing your faith with somebody, you have an opportunity with a neighbor, and you're talking to them, and church comes up, and you're able to share what's going on in your church, maybe you can put this in one of your friend's hands and say, hey, our church is going to go on this journey, and you give them the information. That's what this is, just a simple invite card. And so if we run out of them, we'll definitely make more. And if you see someone on the chairs, like, man, I'm taking three or four or five of those, that's fine. 
Maybe you are in a workplace where you're like, I can set these out. I'm not going to get in trouble for doing that. Then set them out. Um, we have more of these at the table. If you're like, I want 25 of them, then by all means, take 25 of them. If you want to do that, I encourage you to take an invite card and use that. So transformed. It is coming. Next week is the pre-launch message. You don't want to miss next week. Now, we officially start on February the 7th, but next Sunday is a pre-launch message that gets us all ready to take off and go. And so I want to encourage you to be here and be ready to go on this journey with, it, with us. Now, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for where we'll be today. We have been on a journey this January just talking about top priorities, talking about top priorities life, looking at the beginning of the year and saying, what are some priorities that we need to elevate and we need to be reminded of for the year 2016? And as, as a lot of people do, when we evaluate, we, we go into a new year, a lot of times we look at priorities of life. We look at, maybe I want to eat better, or maybe I want to start an exercise program, or maybe I want to watch less TV, or, or I want to read more books this year. A lot of times we look at priorities in our lives at the beginning of the year, and we stop and set some goals and some objectives. And so that's what we've been doing, and I've been trying to just lift up, and along with Lane preaching last week, lifting up in my mind what are some top priorities in our lives that affect our walk with God and affect our witness of Him. And the premise is this, if, if we don't keep our priorities in line and our walk with God, what will happen is our walk will become weakened, and as our walk with God becomes weakened, then our witness of God becomes ineffective, and too many times in life, there's all kinds of stuff that squeeze in. Job and activities and social life and just getting tired and sometimes health issues and sometimes financial issues. There's all kinds of things that squeeze in because I think Satan wants to keep us busy. And as he tries to keep us busy, then he says, ah, as you're more and more busy, then God gets pushed more and more to the side. And as God gets pushed more and more to the side, then our priorities get out of line. And I, and I tell you, it's true in my life. I see it when my priority with God is out of line, then my walk with Him is weakened and my witness of Him becomes almost non-existent. Because when I'm not walking with God as a top priority, then I'm not thinking about Him all the time. I'm not thinking about how can I possibly share Him with somebody else. And so we said a couple weeks ago, priority number one has got to be, must be in our lives, that I will love the Lord our God, my God, with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, and with all my strength. And those are not my words. That's what Jesus said when he was tested. You remember? He was being tested by the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. And they're saying, hey, Jesus, out of all the commandments, you know, all the commandments, they're saying all the 600-plus commandments of the Old Testament, which one's the most important? And they're trying to trick him up. And Jesus just sits back, and I think he says, well, here's the most important. Love God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He summarized them all down to two simple commandments. In other words, what he was saying is, put God first place in your life. Make sure that God is number one. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Make it a priority. And so we've said in order to do that, there's a few things we can do. One is that we'd be committed to sharing Christ. One way we love God and we love mankind or love our brothers and sisters, uh, other people we interact with, is we tell them about Jesus. And so week two, we talked about sharing Christ. We talked about sharing Christ in a way that, that you're praying for people, you're caring for people, and you're ready to share. If you, if you were here that day, remember we had some people up on stage, and 
had a little fun acting that out and said, you know, if you're at Toyota and building cars, what's your main job? Yes, your job is to build cars, but really you're a witness for Christ. Or if you're a school teacher and you're teaching kids in school, yes, you're supposed to be teaching school, but at the same time what you're thinking about is how am I building relationships and caring about these people so that I can share Christ. Or if you're a student and you're walking up and down the hallways, you're dealing with locker and all the stuff you deal with in classes and your studies, yes, you've got to do all that kind of stuff, but ultimately you're a witness for Christ and so you build relationships with friends with the opportunity to share Christ. And then Lane talked about last week how we love the Lord through worship. We give him our worth. We, we elevate him and we give him our worth and also we worship by the way we give of our lives to, to him and to others. And so today I want to lift up the priority of service. To make a commitment that says in 2016, I want to put on the servant hat. I want to put on the towel around my waist, so to speak. That's what Jesus did. He was in the upper room, and, 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 they, and they go in, and what does Jesus do? He washes the disciples' feet. He takes and put on the, the, the servant's towel, and he washed their feet, and he says, now you go and do as if I have done. He set the example and said, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, then we serve. And our society needs people who have a mindset that says, how can I serve somebody else? How can I care about somebody else through service? Whether it be in the church or outside the church, whether it be someone who follows Jesus or doesn't follow Jesus, Jesus' kingdom is marked by actions and attitudes and characters of servanthood. And so I want us to look at this in terms of the body for sure. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I love this passage because it starts to talk about the church. And I want to kind of go around here and talk about the church and how we're put together and then come back in this idea of service. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 12. It says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts were many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we are all given one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Look at Now get this verse 18. <clears throat> but in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be as it is? There are many parts but one body. Let me, let me pause here for a second. Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church at Corinth. And he's trying to get them to understand how God's kingdom is put together and how the kingdom of God comes together with Christians who accept Jesus as Savior, that they become one, they become a body, that they are a bunch of individual parts, but those individual parts are all together made up of one body. What he's saying is that's the church. And we didn't plan it this way, but I kind of like the idea that we end up having one service today because of the weather. Because I think what happens sometimes when we have multiple services, we forget that the body is much larger than the few people that we worship with on a Sunday. Sometimes we think, well, okay, I go to second service, they go to first service. We may not even cross or, or interact with people from different services sometimes. Or we have experiences like, well, I've seen so-and-so, but I know they usually go to first service. I go to second service. I haven't seen them in a month or I haven't seen them in two months. I haven't seen them in quite a while. 
And I think sometimes we can forget that the body is made up of many parts. If you look across this room, this is a large section of Centerpoint Christian Church, which is one body within the bigger body. See, really, Centerpoint's just, it's kind of like we're a hand within the body. Or, or maybe we're a foot. Or, or maybe Centerpoint is just the big toe within God's body. But within that, there's even more parts. Within that, God says, listen, there, there are so many different parts that we have parts within the body, but within the kingdom there are several parts, but we're all one. We're all one. And so Paul's trying to point this out to say, look at this, look at this. We're together. We are one in Christ, and we are working together as a body. Now go on and look what he says here, verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no... So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are part of the body, and each one of you are part of it. Do you get what he's saying? I mean, he's using an analogy, obviously. I mean, the hand can't say to the eye, hey, you're not part of the body, I don't need you. They're both needed. And, and the ear can't say the foot, oh, foot, you're, you're not important, cut you off. Only the ear's important. And, and, the, and the right pointer finger can't say to the left big toe, hey, you're not important, get rid of you big toe. Where, where every single part is important, and Paul is making this analogy to the body that we, we know if you lose your big toe, you're going to be in trouble. Your balance is going to be way out of whack. Or if you lose your left ear, you're going to be in trouble. Your hearing is going to be affected. Or if you lose your right arm, you're going to be in trouble. Your whole body is going to have to adjust to take care of the fact that you lost your right arm. And so Paul's making an analogy. Listen, every single part of your body is important, and so are they in the church. Now, what does that mean? Would this section right over here stand up? This is group participation. Morning. All right, what, what Paul would be saying to us today, he'd be looking at you all and say, some of you are tall and some of you are short. Some of you are really good looking and some of you are eh, not so good. But he said that in there. He said some are presentable and some are not. But what he's saying is every single one of you are important and you all are important, but you can't say this, this section and that section. You can't say you guys are no good. You guys need them and they need you. Sit down for a moment. <clears throat> would this section over here stand up? Now this section, you're not allowed to say, oh, they're way over there because they're way over there. They're not important. Only our section is important. Paul's saying, you've got to look at yourself and say, you know what? We're important and they're important and they're important. Now some of you over here, again, you're beautiful and some of you, yeah, we're not sure about. Paul says that. Paul says that. But he's saying, listen, every single one of you are important. Go ahead and sit down. Now, would everybody in this room who are 50 and older stand up? 50 and older, stand up. All right? Here's one of my concerns in the church. For us younger generation, 
I think sometimes we can look at the older generation and go, man, they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand today. How important are they? What we do? And we ignore our older generation. I think Paul would be saying to us, listen, you who, who want to ignore, listen, we need our older generation. We need those who are 50, but we need to learn from them. They have a lot of wisdom that we don't have, and they're important. But sometimes those who are 50 and above look at our younger generation and go, oh my goodness, this world is so screwed up. It's so messed up. Why are they doing that? They're so stupid, you know. And sometimes the attitude from the older generation, younger generation is they just go, they got to figure it out. I'm not, I'm not staying, I don't know what to do with them. And Paul would say, listen, you got both generations look at each other and say, you know what? They're all important. We need each other. Go ahead and sit down. How about those who are, uh, let's do those who are 20 and younger. 20 and younger stand up. We made the junior high and high school stay in here with a one o'clock, just one service. We said, why don't you come? Church, I want you to look at those who are standing up. 20 and younger, and then we have a bunch of them back in some classrooms and so forth. Sometimes we can think, oh my goodness, they're crazy kids and they destroy things and, and they make a mess and, and we don't understand them and they don't listen and, and we don't know, but one day they'll grow up and they'll get to be part of the church. One day. You know what? That's a big lie from Satan. They're part of the church now. But that's what Satan would tell us. Well, one day when they're older, they'll be really good servants. These kids are learning how to serve, and more and more this year, we want to work on how do we integrate the life of the younger people into serving across this church. And it's not just one day they'll be able to do it. No, they can do it now. But young people got to be willing to be teachable and learn from those who are older than you. Because sometimes the attitude can be, well, I've got it all figured out, but they don't know what they're doing. See, we both need each other. Go ahead and sit down. Those who are 20 to 49. <clears throat> We're going to start our own exercise class today. <laughs> up and down, up and down, up and down. 20 to 49. You know what? You're kind of squeezed in between that. Some of you are going, those are my kids who just stood up. But then you're going, you know what? Now I know I'm getting closer to that 50. I can see why I need them. I just, just stand up, I just, just for a visual, as we look at the different age groups and everything, for those in this 20 to 49, we got to realize, you know what, you need these younger people, but you also know people who are older than you. And Paul would want you to look and say, listen, those people are younger and those people are older, they're all important. And sometimes, <coughs> sometimes the attitude comes across it, hey, we're doing it, and we got our kids, and we're running, and we're going, and we got it all figured out. Paul would say, listen, don't have that attitude. The attitude has got to be every single person, no matter what your age is, no matter what your race is, no matter what your skin color is, no matter what your, your career path is, every single part within a body is needed. Go ahead and be seated. I didn't have anything real specific. It was just more a visual for you all to get some exercise. <clears throat> but you look at this passage from the Apostle Paul, and, and he's just crying out to the church. Now listen, folks, every single person is needed. And within this body, I want you to know, you are needed. You are needed for God's kingdom. And if we did this amongst churches, now center point, like I said, within the kingdom of God, you know, we might just be a toe or a hand, but the body of center point is needed within the kingdom of God. And Paul cries that out. And, and go back to verse 18. Throw that on the screen for me, Matt. <clears throat> go backward a little bit. 
Here's the cool thing. Look what it says. But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. God starts doing the arranging. God, God puts us in places and puts us in congregations and guides us and leads us so that he puts his body together so that it functions best for his kingdom and for his glory. That's what it's for. And so as we serve in the church and we look and say, man, that person sings, I can't sing. Or that person preaches, I can't preach. Or that person teaches, I can't teach. Don't look at that and think, what I can't do. Look at that and say, isn't it cool how God has arranged the body so it can function? Because there's all kinds of gifts and all kinds of abilities. Now, look at Romans chapter 12. In verses 4 through 8. Again, the Apostle Paul, writing to a different group of people, writing to the people in Rome, educated group, look what he says to them. Kind of similar words. He says, just as each of one of us, body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Kind of a similar message, right, in a different group of people. We have different gifts, though, according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. And if it's serving, let him serve. And if it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So Paul touches into this whole concept about the body, and then he goes into a list of attributes or activities or abilities that people have, and he lists them out and says, we have different gifts. Some it's encouraging, some of it's serving, some of it's teaching, some of it's contributing to the needs of others. Give just some of it's leadership, some of it's governing, some of it's showing mercy. And I don't think that's an exhaustive list. It's just an example. Paul says, listen, God has given us abilities. God has given us abilities to be able to serve in His kingdom. Now go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you continue on down there, Paul says in verse 21, or 27, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And in a church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having the gifts of healing, those able to, serve, able to help others, those with the gift of administration, and those who speak in different kinds of tongues. All, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts? He's saying not all of us have the same gift. And again, it's not an exhaustive list. It's just examples. As Paul is writing, Paul is saying, well, here's some things I've seen in the church. I've seen prophecy, and I've seen leadership, and I've seen governing. I've seen encouraging. I've seen administration. I've seen some speaking in tongues. And he's saying, these are different kinds of gifts I've seen that God has bestowed upon us for his kingdom, for, for his body, for the church to, to be able to use for, for his benefit and for his glory. question is, are you using those gifts? If you're part of the body and every single part of the body is important, are, are you using your gifts? Could you imagine if your hand just said, eh, you know what, I don't want to function anymore. Put it away. But sometimes that's what happens in a church. Say, well, I'm gifted in, but you know, I've, I've done my time. I'm kind of tired, worn out. Or I'm just not really sure if I want to get involved. I'm so busy I can't get involved in, in God's kingdom work. I'm not sure if I can do that. And I think Paul would stand here today as you look at what he has written in, Rome, in the book of Romans and what he's written in, to the church in Corinth. I think he would stay here and say, listen, you are so important. Your part is needed. Don't let it sit on the sideline. 
But we have to choose to have the same heart of Christ, which is a heart of servanthood, who put on the towel of servanthood, who put on the apron of servanthood, and said, I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to, to discover my place. Look at Ephesians 2.10. It says, it says, for we are God's handiwork, or I like some translations, it says, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. <coughs> I love that passage. It talks about the, the faith and, and grace of God and, and how we come to, come to faith in Jesus through, through grace. And, and it's amazing that when you come to Christ, you start to discover how he has put you together. And it's his handiwork. He, you are his craftsmanship. He designed you the way he designed you for his purposes. And, and that's why we, are, we look different and we behave different and we think differently and we have different abilities. And God put us all together in one thing that says, you're the body. A question for you this year, church, are you willing to use your gifts for God's kingdom? And specifically for God's kingdom through the work that's going on here at Centerpoint. Are you willing to look at it and say, God, I, I need to make that a priority. You love God when you're willing to say, God, you have gifted me and I want to use those gifts. And you love your brother or your sister in Christ when you say, God has gifted me and I'm not going to let my gift sit on a sideline. I'm going to be a servant. I want you to look up your, at your sermon notes. <clears throat> on the back side of that, there is a list some opportunities, and we're going to work hard this year at lifting this up. And I don't have a big commitment card or nothing like that because I don't want, it's not a, a thing, sign up now and get involved. I want you to start praying and start thinking this year in 2016, God, where am I supposed to plug in your kingdom? God, where am I supposed to be using my gifts? And so we went through and just listed out some opportunities that are kind of before us right now. Maybe you have some worship and tech abilities. You can sing. You can, you can play an instrument. You know technology. You can work on computers. You love to do sound type stuff. You, you know how to make videos or, or how to record videos and that kind of stuff. You say, you know what? I have some abilities. You say, wait, wait a minute. Those weren't listed in the scriptures. No, because a lot of that stuff wasn't used back then. But I think if Paul was writing it today, Paul would say, man, some of you can sing. And some of you can make videos, and some of you can play instruments. And you get down there into family ministries, and some of you are really good with kids. And some of you know how to, how to teach Bible stories to young children. And some of you are so good at rocking babies. And some of you are so good at encouraging young kids. And some of you are so good at playing games. And some of you are so good with teenagers. He would go on and say, some of you have all these kinds of gifts. Some of you are so good at greeting people. And some of you just know how to shake hands and put a smile on a face and put an arm around people and hug one another. Some of you are so good at those kinds of things. Some of you have a heart for mission work. Some of you care about what's going on in the downtown area. Some of you care about what's going on in overseas. He would say, some of you have those kinds of desires. Go and use those gifts. So Paul would be saying to us today. Paul would be saying, take on the heart of Jesus. Take on the heart of being a servant and go and use those gifts. And so we've listed these out and it's not an exhaustive list. And there may be some things you're going, I don't see on there. Then let's start talking about some other ideas. Let's talk about where you think God has gifted you and where does it fit. And if it does fit, then let's find out how we put it into action. The body of Christ needs each and every one of you. Here at Centerpoint, we need everybody who says, this is my, this is my church. We need you this year to say, you know what, God, am I serving? 
God, am I serving or am I just, am I just receiving? And God, if I am serving, am I doing all that I should be doing or am I in the right spot or do I need to be in a different spot? We need to be asking that kind of question and make it a priority that this year, 2016, you find your place. You say, you know what, I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve because God has get to me part of the body and rather I'm a hand or rather I'm a foot, rather I'm an eye or rather I'm an ear to realize you're needed and you're important and God arranges the parts of the body, but he can only do that when we say Yes. It's hard to arrange the parts of the body when the parts of the body say, I don't want to participate. And so I want to encourage you, church, 2016, we're going to be lifting us. You're going to be seeing some things via email. We're going to come back to this topic. We're going to encourage you this year. Step up and say, you know what? I need to find my areas of service. As I close, I want you to look at one more verse. Mark chapter 10. It's an interesting passage there where two of the disciples are asking Jesus, Jesus, can we sit at your right hand? Jesus, when we get up to heaven, can we be at your table, so to speak? Can we be up there at your side? They cause some consternation amongst the disciples, and they start to debate that and start to argue about that and who's the greatest and, and, and so forth. And Jesus kind of gets them all calmed down, and Jesus says, listen, you, you guys basically don't understand it. And he says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He come back to the idea of servant. He he tells his disciples even again later about putting the towel on, washing feet. He says, listen, the Son of Man didn't come to receive glory. The Son of Man didn't come to be the one lifted up, to be the one put high and mighty, to be the one that gets sent at the right hand of God. The Son of Man came to be a servant. And Jesus says, that's the example I'm setting for you. Son of Man, Jesus says, I came to be a servant. And his servanthood was, I'm going to go to the cross and die. I'm going to go to the cross and die. I'm going to go to the cross, and on my way to the cross, I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be tortured, I'm going to be spit upon as my choice of being a servant. And let me just say, church, sometimes our attitude is, I don't know, I may mess up my schedule with my time, or I don't know if I can serve more than one Sunday a month. That's kind of hard. But then I stop and look at the cross and go... How do we get there in America? How do we get there in America where we start looking at our servanthood, our, our time of serving, and saying, well, I can't do that because, and you fill in the blank, whatever it is, I can't do that because I'm not gifted enough, I'm not talented enough, my schedule's too full, I have all this stuff going on. And Jesus says, my servanthood, my, my choice of being a servant was to go to that cruel cross. That's what Jesus raises up with his disciples. He says, it's not about being elevated. It's not about being noticed as being great and being the one that can sit at the right hand of God. It's not what it's about. It's about just choosing the heart of a servant and saying, I want to be like Jesus. And when you've taken on the name Christian, if you have, and you have said, listen, Jesus is my Savior, and I believe in that death, the burial, and the resurrection, and I commit my life to him, and you've made that commitment, then you've made a commitment to say, I want to follow in Jesus' footsteps. And his footsteps were an attitude of being a servant and saying, I will go the extra mile and beyond. And so church, I ask you, would you take on the heart of Jesus this year? 
Would you make it a priority to say, you know what, I'm going to stop and I'm going to look. I'm going to take this list that, that I put out. I'm going to put it in my refrigerator. I'm going to put it in my quiet time stuff. I'm going to start praying about it. And I'm going to start asking God, God, you show me. Where do you want me to serve at? And then be willing to jump in. And sometimes it may not match with what you envision. It may not fit your gift mix exactly perfectly. But just to say, Jesus, when you open the door and you say, do it, do you have a heart that says, I will? I'll serve and make it a priority that you'll serve in God's kingdom in 2016. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> would you do a work in us, God? Would you do a work, God, first of all, that changes our mind, that helps us to embrace the truth of your scripture that says every single one of us in this room, every single one of us in this body of center point are needed and are, and are important. God, sometimes I think Satan can do a trick on our mind and say, well, it's not, I'm not that important, I'm not that needed. God, would you blow that away of our mind this year? God, would you do a work in this room in our hearts and our minds and help us to make a priority to be a servant? Would you help us to make that a priority? that we would serve, that we would find our place of service, that we would not be too busy or not be too overwhelmed or not be uh, too distracted, Lord, to be servants in your kingdom. God, work on us. Father, today we wrap up this series about top priorities. Lord, would you help us? We're saying about your Holy Spirit. With your Holy Spirit's help, Lord, would you help us to love you? with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. Lord, with your Holy Spirit's help, would you help us to share? Would you help us to share the truth of your gospel, the truth of your love? Lord, with the Holy Spirit's help, would you help us to worship you? Lord, with your Holy Spirit's help, would you help us to be servants? Father, I lay at your feet. We're beginning a journey. Next week we launch with a, just a, a pre pre-launch message, and we go on this transform campaign. Lord, we lay that at your feet. We are asking, Father, would you transform us? Would you change us? Would you grow us? Jesus, we celebrate in communion this morning. As we do that, Lord, help us to focus on the cross. Help us to grasp your servanthood that is in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. It's in His name I pray. Amen.